greetings to each of you who welcome our visitors with us this morning. God bless you. It's good to be together. I would like to speak this morning on the ordinance of feet washing since it's coming up in three weeks. We usually get to have a devotional, which Ernie does a super job of, uh, regarding that. But I uh, asked him this morning if it's okay if I step on his toes to just go a message. He doesn't get the opportunity to do a message on that. And so I felt like this ordinance is coming up and we should, again, just refresh ourselves on the meaning of that. For those who remember, we've been going through the attributes of God before the message. And does anyone remember which one we're at this time? I said, this is going to be a hard one. Q. So we are trying to come up with a quality of God that starts with a Q. And I have one written down on my paper this time instead of six or eight. So I don't know if you can help me with that. I can, I've only written one. I've appreciated all your responses in the other attributes. The one I come up with is quickener. The scripture says, you have the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. The meaning of that is to make alive. He's the one who has made us alive and brought us from a dead spiritual condition to a live spiritual condition. Does anyone have another one that comes to that? Quiet. Still small voice. Qualifier. Ah, I'm writing these down because I could not come up with any other ones. Qualifier. Quick. Quick, quickener, quiet, qualifier. Turn your Bibles to John chapter 13. We're just going to look at two verses initially, verses 14 and 15. It's our normal practice after participating in the communion service to have the feet washing service. It's illustrative to us of some things. And I'd like to point those out. I'd also like to look at the uh, custom in the past, as well as how this is obviously something different than the custom of the past, as far as the custom of the Old Testament, as far as the custom of washing feet when you came to someone's house. This is different than that. Like to look at the symbols that are used here and look at some of the meanings that we can have from this ordinance. John chapter 13, 14, and 15 say, If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done to you. I was really, really blessed this morning as... Marlon said he had written in his Bible these words that helped to clarify the scripture. And I wrote them in as he gave them this morning. And there's two words that stick out in these two verses to me. One is ought, 
And the other is do. So when we ought, it is we have responsibility, we have duty, and the idea of do has a weight on it that there's a responsibility, a duty, duty there as well. Now last Sunday's Sunday School lesson was dealing with traditions that, what was the title? Traditions that disregard the word. This is a tradition that regards, gives some meaning to what the word of God has presented for the church. We can't call something that Jesus taught as mere legalism. We are fools if we would do that because he has given us the directives for life and Christianity has form, it has duty, it has ordinances, it has commandments, and all those New Testament forms are legitimate to authentic Christianity and to a, a godly church, a, a church that is seeking to be biblical. And so we need to consider these ordinances as things that are helpful in us as a church. Now, just to reflect a little bit, you can turn to some of these verses if you care to. I'm going back to Genesis 18, where we have the custom of washing guests' feet when Abram is visited by angels. And here they came to his door, came to his tent. And in Genesis 18, verse 4, it says there, let a little water, I pray you, be fetched and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. It's interesting to visit people's homes in different cultures. What's the first thing you do when someone knocks on your door and you uh, invite them in? Do you offer them a cup of water? Do you offer them to sit down on their, a chair? What do you offer? I was at some meetings in Maryland and went to a family's home that was not of American culture, and the first thing they offered me was tea. This was 9.30 in the morning, and this lady had a pot of tea on the stove already, and she made sure it was turned up higher, and when it was ready, she set this pot in front of the kitchen, on the kitchen table in front of me, and it was wrapped around in a, some kind of, what do you call it? Cozy, to keep this thing warm. And as we visited that morning, again, it's 9.30 in the morning, as we visited that morning, she continued to make sure there was enough tea in there and that it was hot enough, and we kept drinking tea and having little cookies that she had, had out there for us. That was the custom to make a person feel welcome. Here, Abram's custom was to bring the people to the tree where there's shade, to give them some water and to wash their feet or let them have the opportunity of washing their feet. There was a pot that was provided. We have some other examples like in Genesis 43 where Joseph and his brothers were getting together in Egypt and Joseph is again, uh, you know, he's here trying to make his brothers, they're coming into Joseph's house in, in Genesis 43 and a man brought them into Joseph's house and gave them water 
and they washed their feet. Now, in Joseph's setting, there would have been a slave there, I imagine, to wash the feet of these people, of his brothers. And so that was a slave's duty to make sure that the water was there, there was water at the door, and that someone was, uh, knew it was available, and someone either helped them to wash their feet or allowed them the use of that water. We know they wore sandals. We know that it was a different climate. We know that there's, this custom was something that helped them to feel comfortable going into a person's house or into their tent. They were there able to feel comfortable in having washed off the dust of the person's feet so that they could just feel very comfortable in their home. Go to New Testament in Luke chapter 7. We have here where Jesus has a woman before him who is washing his feet and she's wiping his feet with the hairs of her head. Now that's pretty dramatic, isn't it? That's pretty, pretty something that this lady came to Jesus and she is there willing to wash his feet to wipe them with the hairs of her head. Let's read this account in Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 36. And one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And behold, a woman in the city, which was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now when the Pharisees, which had bidden him, saw it, he spake within himself, saying, This man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner of woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said unto him, Simon, I have something to say unto thee. And he saith, Master, say on. There was a certain creditor which had two debtors. The one owed 500 pence, the other 50. When they had nothing to pay, he frankly forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him most? Simon answered and said, I suppose that he to whom he forgave most. And he said unto him, Thou hast rightly judged. And he turned to the woman and said unto Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thine house. Thou gavest me no water for my feet, but she hath washed my feet with tears and wiped them with the hairs of her head. Thou gavest me no kiss, but this woman since the time I came in hath not ceased to kiss my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but this woman hath anointed my feet with ointment. Wherefore I say unto thee, her sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. And he said unto her, thy sins are forgiven. Again, just giving the practice of the day to have water provided that someone's feet could be washed and they could feel comfortable as they come into your house. Some of us invite people to take off their shoes and Walk through the house in their stock and feet. That's fine. Just feel comfortable. Make yourself at home. That's hospitality in our culture. 
Well, in John chapter 13, Jesus is giving a new practice. How do we know that this is a new practice? How do we know that this isn't more of the same? I picked out three things here that I think help me. One is, if we read the, the scripture here, the chapter, it says that it was done after supper. It wasn't done when they first came into the house. If, the, if it was, that was forgotten about and not written down. Do you remember that when Jesus told the disciples to go find a place to have their Passover meal, they were to identify who to follow by, um, it was to be a man with water on his head. That was their key, that this was the man to follow, this was the person to follow, because usually women carried the water on their head. They were their water carriers, but here was to be a man that was carrying water, and they were to follow him, and this man would give them the place that they could have the Passover meal. So there was water that was provided, whether it was for the initial washing of their feet when they came in, there was water available that was used here in the after the meal event that Jesus is doing. This was a new practice. We also know that Peter found it difficult to understand what Jesus was doing. Here he is, he's taking off his garment. He's get girding himself with a towel. And that's unusual because the master of the house never does that. The slave does it. But here he is, and Peter is confused. He found it difficult to understand what Jesus was doing. If a slave of that room would have, of the person who had that room provided for them had come there, he wouldn't have thought anything of it. But instead, we see that he was finding it a challenge to understand what Jesus was up to. And thirdly, Jesus said there in verse 7, he said, What I do, thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. I find it interesting, the time frame that this all is taking place. Jesus has just served for three years. Whoever came to him, he served. He showed compassion to all kinds of people. We read about in the Luke 7 account how he went into the Pharisee's home and he even served in that setting and how that the woman had washed his feet and wiped it with her hair. The idea is that Jesus had served and now here at this point, right before his crucifixion, here he is willing to get this picture for them of what a true follower of him will be. So what does he use? What are the object lessons that he uses? I don't have a picture up here this morning, but I have water. And he used it. Not to drink, which we know that's refreshing, but we also use it every day to wash. And so here's a visual. When you see water, it's either to drink or to wash with or to just say it's pretty, right? I guess, I don't know what the other options are, but the water is, we know what water is for. We know what its use is for. So he had that mental picture. And then he got out the basin. Okay, they knew what a basin was for. They knew that it was for 
washing of things. It wasn't for anything else. He got out a towel. What good would it be to clean up if you didn't have something to wipe with? Do you ever think about how many things we wipe our hands on? We wash our hands and we, oh, we gotta have something to wipe on, okay? We, we need something to, to dry off with. And then he has that visual for them of actually stooping down and getting in front of them and then the idea of washing their feet. Visuals impact us in a mighty way. You and I remember lots of visuals that people did in children's meetings or in school, whatever, visuals. Uh, we all have things that, we all have things that uh, stick in our minds. If I got up here today and I shaved, you'd never forget it, okay? I was in a church service one time. A man was giving a children's meeting, and he had a beard, and he shaved half his beard off in the children's meeting. So he walked through that whole church service. He only had half a beard. I imagine he took the rest off when he got home, but he was, he was making a point. I don't know what all it was, but he was making a point. <laughs> he had half his beard off for the rest of the service, Okay. Visuals are important, and the scripture is full of visuals. The ordinances are, are full of, of, of meaning to us because we can visualize it. We can visualize the communion emblem because we've done that enough. We've seen that. We recognize there's symbolism there. There's meaning there. In the same way with the, with the ordinance of feet washing, there's, there's something meaningful about that because we have the water, and we have the basin, we have the towel, we have the stooping, we have the washing. If we didn't have those visuals, if we didn't have any one of those visuals, there'd be a difference of meaning to that ordinance or that practice of our foot washing service. Our church historically, the Mennonite church, the Anabaptist churches, have practiced the foot washing service. Not the only ones that practice the foot washing service, not only ones that still practice the foot washing service. There's many apostolic churches that still practice that. There's Church of God International that practices that. There's some United Pentecostal churches that practice that. They still take the scripture literally and say, Jesus said, I have washed your feet, ye ought to wash one another's feet. I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. So what is the meaning of it? Why would we do it? Jesus said to Peter, I want to wash your feet. And Peter said, oh, no, no, no. You're my Lord and master. There's no way I should let you do it. This is a slave's position. I am, I'm not, I should be washing your feet. And Jesus says, no. He said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you have nothing to do with me. He said, There's no, you have no part with me in verse 8. You have no fellowship with me if I don't wash your feet. Well, that brings confusion to Peter. 
Because what does that mean? Does that mean, is this something that deals with just cleaning your feet? It can't be. It has to be something deeper than that. It has to signify something from within. And Jesus made it clear that it was something from within. Because in verse 10, if you note, he said, He that is washed needeth not save to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. And ye are clean, but not all. Does he say that somebody had muddy feet yet? No, he's not saying that at all. He is saying there's someone here that doesn't have something right in their heart. We knew who it was. He points it out later. <laughs> Judas is the one that doesn't have something right in his heart. He points out that there's a deeper meaning to this symbolism that he's just given them of taking the water and putting it in a basin, wrapping himself with the towel, and then taking that stooping position before them, which is only for the slave, and then actually washing their feet, which is a lowly job. I jotted down seven things that I think it signifies. What he wanted us to get from this ordinance. Verse one, he said, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, Having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. In the next eight verses or so, he points out the idea of love. This is an act of love. Did he do this to Judas as well as the other eleven? Yes, he did. This was an act of love. Love is what this act symbolizes. It says, each of you are valuable as a person. Was Judas valuable as a person? Yes, he was valuable, but he was not committed to the cause of Christ. He, he betrayed Jesus. He did not repent when he could have. He is lost for eternity to our knowledge. He's a man who had an outward form, but not an inward relationship, at least at this point. Number four, or verse four, he rises from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. That's a picture of humility. Would you agree that we live in a, a proud and egotistical society? We'd agree that there's a lot that is put out there to get attention. Seriously, a society cannot survive when, a, when it is rampant on just selfish desires. When pride is run rampant, it can't survive because we need relationship. We need each other. And humility says, I'm willing to let you wash my feet. And I'm willing to wash your feet. So many times we look at it and we say, I could do it myself. There's a lot of things in our life we could say, I could do it myself. And we probably could. But we'd be better off when someone offers to help us to let them help us. To say, thank you. I need your help. Or we'd be much better off sometimes to get out of our rocking chair and go help someone else. 
This society depends upon relationships. And Jesus taught that everyone was important. And that we're to be humble enough to let people serve us and humble enough to get down and serve others. I see openness as a necessity. Again, it could go along with this humility, but this idea of being open. He's saying to Peter, you know, you need to let me wash your feet or we have no fellowship. And Peter said, well, then, Lord, you know, wash all of me. And Jesus said, no, that's not the point. The point is you need to be open to my serving you. And you take an example from that to serve others. And we know Peter learned that lesson very, very well. We know that after he was repentant of his denial of Christ, that he became a powerful, powerful minister of the gospel. Isn't it interesting that in this chapter, we see here that the prophecy is given by Jesus that Peter, you're going to, you're going to deny me three times. That's in that very chapter. Isn't it also interesting that in some of the other accounts we have that the disciples sitting at the Passover meal said, um, which one of us is going to sit on the left and which one's going to sit on the right? Isn't it interesting that Jesus is pointing to them at this time and saying, you know, it's not the position. It's humility. It's openness. Cleansing, I think, is what it signifies. The ordinance that we practice has that idea of I am, I am freshly aware of my frailty, and I need you as a brother to help me. And I, I again, am, am willing to walk in openness and purity. Service. We ought to wash one another's feet. I talk to a lot of people that don't have any purpose in life. See if you agree with this statement. The person who doesn't serve will never find full meaning in life. We are made to serve. We are made to give out. It doesn't matter the wealth, the prestige you have, if you don't serve, you're going to come up empty. We all have the opportunity to serve each other. That's what the church brings about. That's what our neighbors give us opportunity to do. And I see a, another thing that this ordinance signifies, and that is equality. One church, I don't know which church it is, but I was told this through Maranatha Bible School, that a church had the oldest man wash feet with the newest member or the youngest member. So if a new young fellow was baptized into the church and became a member, the oldest man in the congregation had the opportunity the first time he had communion and foot washing to wash his feet. I don't know if you like that symbolism or not, but there's symbolism to that. We're equal. The youngest member of the church and the oldest member of the church, we're equal. 
When we get to this place where we can get down in front of the other person and we can say, I value you. I value your input. You know, I remember some of the young people that became members of the church and I'm wondering, what are they going to give to my life? But we have to recognize they have the Spirit of God within them now too and they can speak into my life and they can say, this is something that uh, is important. This is something I can share with you. There were two ladies that became members of a church. It's a true story. I usually try to tell true stories, but uh, this story is about two ladies who were old enough to know better, but they were soon offended with each other. As members, new members of the church, when the first communion came around, they had been at odds with each other for six weeks. And the congregation knew it, and the minister knew it. And so they wondered about them taking communion, but the ladies did take communion. And when it came time for feet washing, the, feet, the women were dismissed to go to do the feet washing away from the men. And the ladies went out two different doors. They went to a different building, went out two different doors of the sanctuary in hopes of finding someone they could wash feet with instead of each other. But when they got to the place where they do the feet washing, everybody else was already paired up, and there they were, those two ladies needed to wash feet with each other. And so it was awkward, because they didn't know whether they would be received by the other person or not. But everybody was watching it. The other feet washing was done. And those ladies finally went and hugged each other and said, let's lay this down, and let's wash feet. And they washed feet, and what a beautiful reconciliation that day. Why? because of the symbolism that was displayed by the other people, that was displayed by Jesus, a reflection back. If we don't have a clean heart, we can't serve. We don't have this equality, this feeling of brotherhood, this feeling of needing each other. Some churches, they don't allow you to choose your own partner. The deacon assigns who you're gonna to go to. They just kind of points to you two to go, or they line up in a row or whatever, and whoever it is, you do. And that's a way to keep from there being a picking and choosing that you would avoid someone who is not maybe your best friend. There's validity to that as well. The point again is when we celebrate and we observe the ordinance of, of foot washing, we are saying we are equal one with another and we are a brotherhood and we value each other. We are going to serve whoever is here before us. The seventh thing I think it signifies is that of, signifies my desire to be obedient. My desire to obey what God asked me to do. There's love and there's joy in this duty. To keep this practice is to keep remembering those seven things that I just gave. Jesus Loved into the end. Jesus served his disciples with this basin and this towel and this washing. He served them to the end. And then he went to the cross and he died. And he gave them at the same time the emblems of the bread and the cup. I don't know what it would be like to just call a foot washing service. That could be fine, but we put it together because Jesus put it together. We recognize that there's something about coming to the communion table first 
and, and again, appreciating what Jesus has done for me. And we do that together, recognizing Jesus is at the center of the whole service. And then we go to our brother and recognizing that my brother is valuable in my life as well. That all being put together is so beautiful if we take time to stop and to think about that. Symbolism is important. Visuals are important. But symbolism without substance is worthless. And so I review this ordinance today so that we have substance, so that we realize what it's for, and that we prepare for that observation. I brought along today two towels, and this is, is just the best towel that we have at our house. And I have a mental picture that I want you to remember from this message. If this service is the emphasis, if this humility and equality is the emphasis of the ordinance, then my willingness to serve should be evident in many, many ways. And if I am a server, I am going to be giving of myself and my towel is going to be with the worst towel I could find in our house this morning. Okay? Tattered, used. All right? Um, which is my towel? Am I a server to the brotherhood? Is my towel well worn? Or have I kept my servanthood pretty limited? The church will go on when we serve each other. The church will have power in itself when we realize the need of each other and the service that we need to extend to each other. My prayer this morning is that our symbolism has substance when we come to the foot washing service this year in three weeks. May you and I be faithful in preparing our hearts for that service as we're planning to prepare our hearts for the communion service next Sunday when Brother Jim preaches on the communion council, preparing for that. Let's kneel together for prayer. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for your design of the church. We thank you for the lesson in the Sunday School about you being the rock, you being the pillar, and that we are a part of the building of the church. And I just pray, God, that we would take your example and serve with all of our heart. Because as we do that, that's when we're going to have the most purpose in life. Thank you for guiding us as a congregation, and I pray this week that you would refresh us, that you would convict us, that you would empower us as we go through this week of revival meetings. I pray that we would come each night and be prepared to take in your word, and Lord, that it would just be a, a time of a rejuvenation for us. Bless Brother James as he ministers to us, and I just pray, Lord, that, that we would be what you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.